boxed, ready for Saturday morning's Greyhound Racing Wrap. Across Victoria, RSN 927 is talking greyhounds. That we certainly are with JT and Simone Fisher after a big Easter, particularly up in Sydney. Howdy, Simone. Morning, John. Gee, what a great night it was, Easter egg final, wasn't it? A great race. Oh, my goodness. It's one of those races, you know, Some sometimes in finals they can be, well... Lackluster. Yeah, because there's, there's some scrimmage or something and a, a greyhound skips out in front and then it's game over. But uh, that was not the case no. last Saturday night at Wentworth Park. What is on our show today? Well, speaking of the golden Easter egg, I will have David Gill on to talk about his win and what's next for Uphill Jill and also Paul Wheeler about the retirement of Phantom Bale. I mean, Robert Britton's been doing all the media relations of late and um, I think he's very happy about having a break from talking about Fanta, if you could ever believe that. But um, Paul was more than happy to come on the show, so I'm really looking forward to talking to Paul. Yeah, very knowledgeable man when it comes to uh, greyhounds and breeding, Paul Wheeler, and the $64 question, which I'm sure you'll ask, is who they potentially will send the champ to. All right, let's uh, talk about the news of the week. Well, obviously, the final of Strike a Light and Uphill Jill, it was always going to be a question of who got to that first post or first turn in front, and um, as it turned out, it was uphill Jill trying to catch Striker Light that um, many thought maybe Striker was going to make it back to back, but uh, it wasn't the case. And now Jill's had nine starts or nine wins at Wentworth Park and placed five times, and her stake money is it's tipped over $740,000. So pretty amazing. Finally gets that elusive yeah. G1 too, which yeah. when, when you consider, and, and she's won close to 750k. Uh, that's her, her consistency is simply amazing. So she is amazing. We've got we've we've, we've put Fanta in there as well, but we've got two incredibly good uh, racing bitches in Uphill Jill and uh, Georgie's little girl in Striker Light. So we have been blessed, and uh, won't they throw some nice litters? Well, you would think so. And the Victorians have now won the last eight Golden Easter eggs, but many others I just couldn't. <laughs> going through the honour roll, I couldn't remember who was Don't New South Wales. Don't you just love beating New South Wales? I do. I know. There's always that state rivalry. Absolutely. And then the Association Cup uh, was run and won also, but Simon Keeping, he upstaged Rip and Sam in that race, so the New South Welshman there, they mm. could take home the, 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 the Association the, yeah, Cup. The, 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 the supplementary <laughs> prize, <Yes>. Simone. <laughs> what yes. else has been happening? Okay, so the talented young pup that we've been following here on Talking Greyhounds, Nervous and Weird, he won the $10,000 maiden final at Bendigo last week for Ashley Terry in the super fast time of 23 and 45, only about a length outside the record. It's a good day for Ashley. She also took out the Bell of Bendigo final with My American Girl, who ran a handy 23 78, and uh, talking of handy runs, Robert Britton may just have found a replacement for Fanta Bale with Tornado Tears, who is a little brother to Rip and Sam. But he astounded everyone on Thursday night, running a 41-20 at his staying debut. Yeah, saw that. Uh, unreal when you think Miata, her track record is 41-17. Uh, it was... Taking a real shake, wasn't so, it? So where, where's, where's Rob been hiding this bloke? That's what yeah, I. That's what I want to know. Yes, that's right. Uh, so I think he might be headed for the RSN Sandown Cup, John. I think running forty-one twenty. I'm I'm sure that Robert <laughs> would think. Okay. Yeah, Speed Star as well mm. um, coming up next month. Hone in, break the track record at Maitland on Thursday night as well in the heat of the Gold Cup for Brett Bravo, who ran a 24.63. Uh, the GOTBA are holding a super night at Sandown next Thursday night. Anyone who's welcome to attend, they're holding a silent auction on okay. the night amongst other things. And holiday fun days have been held across the state for the kids over the school holidays. There's still a few next week. I 
can't remember the tracks, but um, can find them on the website. Head to the GRV website for those details. Yes, the microchipping age of puppies has been brought forward from the 10 to 16 week mark when pups are vaccinated, well, used to be, to the um, 6 to 8 week mark now, so a little bit earlier. And also Todd McKenney is the face of the Nationwide Adoption Day that is occurring on April the 29th. So good to have a high-profile person like Todd who does have pet greyhounds and um, a very colourful man and I think Mm. a a great ambassador for the Adoption Day. Good choice. Looking forward to seeing uh, Todd uh, getting amongst it on the the National Adoption Day. Hey, uh, Simone, Talking Greyhounds is presented by the Meadows and their buffet theme night. Now, tonight uh, is... uh Chinese-themed buffet to celebrate, of course, the Year of the Dog. Come and enjoy all you can eat in the Level 1 dining room and top-quality greyhound racing as well. Well, that happens every time at the Meadows. Visit themeadows.org.au for more details. Steak and black bean for me. I'm a very simple man. <laughs> Probably sweet and sour chicken, I'd say. I'm not... Not that well-versed on Chinese, but that's uh, probably the way to go. They do a good job out at the meadow, so uh, give them a, a call or jump on the website to book for tonight. Let's hit the phones and have a chat to a pretty happy David Gill. RSN 927's Talking Greyhounds with Simone Fisher. Racing, Striker Light and Uphill Jewel both began brilliantly. Striker Light is going to go through. Lead Uphill Jewel followed by Crash Bandicoot. Wider out on the track, Bombshell Bandit, Jewel Karoma. Then Fernando Express, Miss Splendomiro. Two times twice at the tail. Top corner, Striker Light. She leads by four to Uphill Jewel. A long gap to Jewel Karoma going to third. They swing. Striker Light by Till. Uphill Jewel coming. Striker Light. Uphill Jewel. They hit it. Uphill Jill. Jill, she's nailed Striker Light right on the wire. What another great race. They were followed in by Fernando. Good morning, David. Uh, thanks for joining us again on Talking Greyhounds. But, gee, what a week you've had. Yeah, it's been a massive week, Simone. Um, just, yeah, our best in racing, you know, 12 years full-time and hobby as well. So the last 20 years, certainly our best. Uphill Jill, the little superstar, she finally snagged one of those big group ones, didn't she? Yeah, she's um, in New South Wales. Our, our, you know, a little bit of a concern was that uh, she'd been up there so many times running placings, seconds mainly, and then third in the Paws of Thunder. And we're just getting towards the end of her career and we really did want to win one. <laughs> um, we just did not want her to retire and without a win in Sydney because she had a couple of big ones in Melbourne, but to do it, it's just a fairy tale ending uh, to, to win the Golden Easter Egg. Coming up against her arch-rival, I guess you could say, Strike a Light, it was always going to be a contest to that first turn, wasn't it? Who had who could outpace who? And uh, the two of them head-to-head again, it was just a, a phenomenal race. Yeah, they're so predictable, aren't they? Uh, they are. <laughs> yeah, either one was going to lead. We thought that, the Bravos and... Us thought that um, some others thought that you know that there could be the the, the pink or the two and Jewel Caroma or Miss Blenda Miro, but uh, we we felt that one of the two was going to lead, and um, and we were just fortunate that we were able to get up near the line. She got across really well, didn't she? Yeah, she looked Simone at Wentworth Park. She's had six many a time and five and and the odd seven, and, and she just does always get across, whereas most dogs, it is it's very difficult for any dog to get across out wide. 
but to Striker Light's credit, she did it from box eight last year, you know, and she got over. And but not many dogs do get across, especially in Group Ones. And but she just, yeah, Jill does seem to be able to uh, have that knack of just getting over safely and sitting in the race. You came up with box six, which you you just your body language or roses apparently at the box draw was just oh, of all <laughs> yeah. dread and, and yeah, doom and was. gloom. And um, sometimes that can actually work in your favour because you don't have the expectations of like coming up with the red that the pressure's on that you could win it. You're drawn favourably, so perhaps it worked in your favour, David. It did that way, uh, Simone, for sure, because there was a real dampener put on it when Rose uh, drew the six out and. Um, but I do know the big difference, certainly when we had the red and the laurels, um, there's a, a huge difference for the trainer and the owner. Um, the expectation, as you say, you're, you're spot on. Um, when you've got box six in a big group one, all of a sudden you just the spotlight's not on you and the pressure's not on. And, and, and our expectation as a trainer is not as, uh, there as much as it would be if she had box one. What did you think in the race? Did you think that uh, Jill was going to catch Strike a Light? Because it, it took her the whole race to actually just nail her on the line. No, no, no I, I didn't think at any time really uh, until that last uh, 30-odd metres when we did get there. Because I know uh, Strike a Light goes well at Wentworth Park or well, she goes well every track too. But but I know she was sizzling out in front, 17.76 and... And she was going, and I just had a feeling that she, when she pinched a good about three and a half lengths, I felt that Jill had, uh, she wouldn't give up, but I just felt that she might have um, just burned her off and done the damage and got away. And um, I, I really felt we, we were going to run second again, and a lot of things flashed through my mind on the home corner. Uh, it's amazing how much can flash through your mind in just a few seconds that, that we're going to run second. We're never going to get a chance ever again. Prop most likely, uh, never get a chance to win a group, one of the big group ones uh, in, in Sydney, but or, or one of the you know, Melbourne Cup, Australian Cup, or Golden Easter Egg. Um, it flashed through my mind. Well, that's the end. We'll never get another chance. But it's so hard uh, to win one of those big three, um, and that was on the home corner. Yeah, it was it was such an exciting finish to the race, and I guess because Striker Light was trying to make it back to back, Uphill Jill was trying to, you know, pinch a Group One. I know she won the Group One Top Gun, but that's an invitational. That's not a series, and so this is slightly different. But she absolutely loves Wentworth Park, and like you mentioned last week, the only unplaced run she's had at Wentworth Park was in the Golden Easter Egg last year. So you've gone from rags to riches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, isn't it? It's, it's amazing how yeah, you ran unplaced last year, the only time. Yeah, Out of 15 yeah, starts. Yeah, and then you come back and, and you win the big one. And um, Oh, yeah, it's been a great week, yeah. Has she pulled up well, David? Yeah, she's good. Yeah, real good. I was very happy with her. She's got a little telltale sign there that tells us when she comes out, when you open up the roller doors in the morning, she sprints out to the front with a carpet in her in a mouth and just stands there and says, well, I've got to come out first. And, and it's just one of those little things, you know. And if she's doing do that, and... you know she's right. Yes. Yeah. yeah we yeah. know she's nothing wrong. She's not jaded. She's not flat sour. Um, you know, so um, no, it's all good. No, that's great to hear. So no plans for retirement just yet? No. No, we were looking at the end of May uh, after the Crown Sapphire. 
that's what we are looking at. But then, uh, having said that, that look, if she's still going well at the end of May, um, we'll probably keep going. Yeah. Um, but the real problem we've got with her, Simone, is, and you know, having dogs as well, but she's very, they're very, very competitive, a lot of them, and, and they want to race. Yes. She really wants to get out and race, and, and we know that she will become very sour and, and she won't be happy in a, in a nutshell. She's not going to be happy, and, and it's something that we've got to watch because she won't want to see all the other dogs going out to racing and trialling. It'll and probably make behind. her a bit depressed. Yeah. So we, yeah. you know, we go. We go. Um, it, it's not a. Not, the transition's not easy. That's what I'm getting at. The, no. the transition won't be easy for her. I can tell you. She, she, she's one uh, out of the box. Warnable Cup is in about a month's time. Are you heading there with her? Uh, no, no. Look, originally it was Simone Warnable Cup, and and then the ladies' bracelet at Wentworth Park, and the Perth Cup now is sort of come back on the radar but she does go real well at Warren. I would have loved to have gone there but I uh, just got a little issue with her there that um, you know she's one of those greyhounds that love the decoy in the catching pen after the race and she just loves that decoy and uh, just a process there at the moment it's not, not really suitable for her um, because she goes for it and um, so we'll no unfortunately we'll have to bypass that and um, look at um, uh, yeah, probably the Perth Cup. Right. Oh, that that's um, not good news. I, I guess for some of the other people who are going to head there, it may be. But um, no, not good news at all because, like you say, she does race well at Warrnambool. She's won two Summer Cups there, I think, hasn't she? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, mm. and um, I think she's won about six out of eight, but she's sizzled around there too in the low low twenty fives. She yeah. does love it, but yeah. Just that slight risk, and so you know we we just have to um, uh, you know just look at another big race in a way. She she's in at the Meadows on Saturday night. Yep. Um, tomorrow night, and you wouldn't believe it. Um, Bravos are thinking like us, and they're there as well. <laughs> so, oh well, it's, yeah, it's not it, good. It'll be another great race. But David, look, congratulations to you and Rose and a greyhound that you've bred yourself, Uphill Jill. She's been amazing over the last 18 months, two years. And, um, look, we hope there is some more racing left in her. Thanks very much, Simone. Yep, we're super proud of her. Thanks. RSN 927's Talking Greyhounds with Simone Fisher. And a pretty happy David Gillen, who wouldn't be after his little girl uphill Jill won the Group 1 Easter egg uh, last Saturday night in Sydney. All right, uh, Simone, what has your iPhone stopwatch told you this week? There's quite a few and some very fast times at Sandown Thursday, John, but I won't be able to go through them all, obviously. But uh, Magic Will, a 37.48 over the 6.60 at Bendigo for Joe Borg. Elevated for Harry Manalitsis, a 5.15 win at Sandown in 29.11. Hit the highway, a 6.60 Bendigo win for Angela Langton in 37.64. My mate Wally, a 23.14 for Michael Neal over the 4.10 at Horsham. In a spin, a 29.36 at sale over the 5.20 for Vicky Wisner. A quick 34.02 for Dinah Dean and Mark Delbridge over the 5.95 at Sandown. Promises kept for Rod Clark, a 5.45 Ballarat win in 30 and 17, or 71. Peyton, a 29.18 at Sandown for William McMahon over the 5.15. And I've already mentioned um, Ashley Terry, Nervous and Weird and Tornado Tears for Robert Britton. So it's the expert pick, Simone's Run of the Week.
Now, um, we've had a G1 win in Sydney. Um, we've had a, a greyhound busting the clock over 7.15 at Sandown and we've had uh, some very young pups doing some uh, pretty big things. So you've got plenty of material to work with, Simone. I have. Uh, but look, I was really impressed with Tornado Tears. I think to get within... You know, Three 100s. Yeah, of Miata's record. And to break these records doesn't happen very often. So I'm giving it to Tornado Tears this week. I think he's exciting too. Yeah, RSN 927 Sandown Cup, only a few weeks away. So look out for Tornado Tears. Short break coming up here on Talking Greyhounds on RSN 927. The other side, we'll have a chat to Paul Wheeler. Love your doggies. The Greyhound Leader, RSN 927. RSN 927's Talking Greyhounds with Simone Fisher. Good morning, Paul. It's great to have you on Talking Greyhounds, your first time on the show, but um, probably long overdue, but we're here to talk about Fanta Vale. How are you this morning? Very good, thanks, Simone. Paul, you've obviously enjoyed a lot of racing. You've enjoyed Fanta Vale. You've got her back up with you now. How is she settling into retirement? Oh, great. Loves it. I uh, actually said the other day that uh, I'll go out and give her a treat at Bone, I think it was, and, and I had two or three people crop up and said they'd already done it. So <laughs> she's getting treated like royalty. And uh, I took her for a trip in the car the other day, and she actually loved it. She thought she was going to the track to race. Uh, right, because sometimes it can be hard for greyhounds to make that transition. Do you think that she knows that her time on the track's finished now? I think so, but... In saying that, if she had another chance to get back to the track, I think she'd like it. Yeah, it must be a, a bit of a dilemma, I guess. Um, the injury's not too bad that she can race again, but, you know, you ask yourself the question, what more does she have to do for us? Well, it's ex- exactly right. And, and um, look, you being actively involved in greyhounds know that most greyhounds' racing career are finished by sort of three to three and a half, and she's... She's well and truly three and a half, so her longevity on the track was enormous, and I think that was part of the success. So she's gone on and raced a lot longer than most greyhounds and achieved a lot more than most greyhounds. So, you know, it was time for her to retire. When you've had greyhounds like Fernando Bale and Dinah Double One and Fanta, is it is it sort of a bit unbelievable to you that you can actually have three greyhounds in the space of about four years that um, can reach the heights that they have? Yeah, it's like living the dream, actually. You mm-hmm. know, like I, I can turn back the day to um, Winifred Bale in the uh, early 80s where she was the first greyhound to win $100,000 in her racing career. And then after that, we had uh, Kylie Bale, which was the first greyhound to win a race worth $100,000. And to get to a, a stage where we've had three greyhounds that each individually have earned over a million dollars on the track is unbelievable. So what keeps you motivated to get up every morning then, Paul? I mean, it's probably fair to say that we aren't ever going to see another Fanta Bale. There's going to be some very, very good dogs come along. But when you've reached these heights... Uh, a number of times and had your success over a long, long period of time of, you know, the daily grind, how do you stay motivated to get up and feed pups and clean yards when you've pretty much achieved the best that there ever has been? Well, my wife would agree with this saying I'm a bit of a strange character. (laughs) I I always look for ways of improving 
uh, our, our greyhounds in some way. And over our life, my lifetime, I've been involved in breeding through or building through greyhound properties. And, and this one is a culmination of the experience of the past two to try and increase or, or improve our, breed, our breeding and rearing. And I think it's done that. So, and, and then we're involved in the frozen semen and, and bringing, uh, top genetic lines in from overseas and, and introducing them, which a lot of people boo-hooed it in those days, you know. So what I've always done is I've sort of um, looked for ways of improving anywhere I could. Now, in saying that, it's not going to be an easy task to improve on those three grains, you know. Well, that's my next question. How do you actually choose a sire for Fanta Bale? I mean, is there any dog that can bring something to the table for her? Well, look, a theory I've got is there's been a, and you'd know this, there's been a lot of champion greyhound females around that have never uh, reproduced to the same success as they were. Yes, and, absolutely. In yeah, thoroughbreds too. That's right. And, and I think the reason is, is that when you're breeding greyhounds and you, you want to select a sire for a female, the best way of achieving the best results out of that uh, progeny is to breed to a male that's superior in quality to the female. And the problem is once you get a female of this quality, it's very, very difficult to find a male that is superior to her. That, She's in a lot right. of cases superior to all the males. So you, you're actually breeding downhill type of thing, you know? That's that's exactly my point and my question. Um, and particularly when you look at her breeding, she's un- not she's unfashionably bred, really. I mean, David Whale won the Top Gun in great fashion, but he hasn't been a commercial sire like you know, like your Fernandos already. So it's it's really interesting. I mean, what way do you think you might go? Do you think you'll go to a commercial sire, or do you think you'll go to something a little bit more obscure? Well, I was having a little bit of a look at breeding uh, with her in the last few days, and we're sort of stuck a bit. We, we've sort of backed ourselves into a bit of a corner because a lot of the major sires, the likes of um, um, Barsha Bale, uh, Diner Double One, even Alan D, they've got similar pedigrees to um, to her. In, in David Bale, which, which is coming from the, the Gold Rush Jindara Bale line, which is turning out a tremendous sire line in this country. Um, so those type dogs have basically been eliminated because I'd be breeding too close. Yeah. Um, the dog that sort of looks the best possibility to me at this stage would be something like Fernando Bale. And the other thing I look at with, with breeding females is, is whatever uh, whatever the female lacked, I look for in a sire. And with her, um, even though she was in the majority of cases what you'd call a front-running sprinter, she could come from behind and she won over 500, a group races over five, six and 700 metres. She probably, if anything, lacked a little bit of early pace as you got up in grade in sprint races. So what I'd be looking for with her would be something that injected a little bit of early pace early into pace. the sprinting side of her. And Fernando would certainly do that. We well, would expect expect that from him with his early pace. Um, 
So now, Paul, it's a bit of a waiting game, waiting for her to come on season. <laughs> yeah, we've applied for um, the pink breeding card now, um, done all the bits and pieces associated with that, uh, and she's recuperating, and uh, quite frankly, she's uh, she's bouncing around like there's nothing wrong with her now. Right. So, you know, like, um, and, and she loves it. Like, every time we go there, she, she thinks she's going to get a treat. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so uh, she's become sort of uh, the royalty in the place type of thing, you know. Right. Oh no, she well, she deserves to be, doesn't she? She's she really is the queen on and off the track. So look, Paul, it's been great talking to you, but I just wanted to make one little footnote. You referred to Winifred Bale um, all those years ago. I love seeing Winifred Bale in the Hoodoo Gurus film clip, My Girl. Do you ever watch that? I have seen that, yeah. <laughs> Terrific. Yeah, so she's um, famous for a couple of reasons. To get to get First dog to get to $100,000 and also she, she still graces the screens on old Rage, um, Rage on the ABC. <laughs> yeah, well, that was, that was 35 to 40 years ago, so been in the greyhounds a long time. You sure have. It's been wonderful talking to you, Paul. Look, I'd really love to have you on the show again sometime if we could and perhaps even, you know, when you... Fanda comes on season or getting closer or she's had pups um you know i'd love to have you on again i think it's been great talking to you that'd be a pleasure thanks very much for your time paul and we'll we'll keep in touch okay bye thank you doggy news from start to finish rsn 927 is talking greyhounds well, Willa there having a good chat about Fantabale. Uh, Talking Greyhounds today is presented by the Meadows and their buffet theme nights. Now tonight, looking forward to this, it's Chinese themed buffet to celebrate Year of the Dog. Come and enjoy all you can eat in the Level 1 dining room, and they do mean, Simone, all you can eat. And, of course, top quality greyhound racing, as we expect every Saturday night at the Meadows. Visit the Meadows at uh, themeadows.org.au to book and for more details. Dogs to follow, Simone. Well, last week's Dog to Follow Federal Impact won at Sandown on Sunday, lowering his debut run time of 29.56 to 29.47, and he started at $1.60. Dog to Follow this week is elevated after his 29.12 win at Sandown. He is almost a certainty to gain a start in the Speedstar Series. He ran fourth in the restricted win final at Sandown Thursday night. Uh, best bet tonight, John. Race three, number three at the Meadows. Navajo Bear, he drops down in class from his last three starts in the launching pad series. He has loads of early pace. It's his fifth attempt here, but uh, with a bit more experience and drawn closer to the rail, I think he should go well. All right, race three, number three, Navajo Bear with the white jacket tonight at the Meadows. What's coming up, Simone? Well, tomorrow, Heelsville are holding a Heroes of Heelsville Challenge over the 350 metres. Um, and it's for greyhounds that have run very fast times there over the last six months. It's mm -hmm. worth $5,000 to the winner. And Thursday night, the final of the GOTBA Cup worth $12,000 at Sandown. Hey, well played, Simone. Very interesting show today. Always um, great to hear the thoughts of Paul Wheeler. He's a wealth of information. Mm. I'd love to sit down with him for an hour. And um, it, it just, yeah, one of those people that you really need to listen to because he wouldn't have the success that he's had. And what I, I found you know, interesting. He just always wants to improve. He's mm. not happy to say, look, I've had three dogs win a million dollars. I'll call it a day. No, how can I go off on this tangent and make this happen? So um, congratulations to him. I mean, it's, like you said, over 40 years and what he's done. The harder you work, the luckier you get. Hey, uh, Simone, you enjoy your weekend? You too, John. In the meantime, you keep those tails wagging. <laughs> 
OK, short break coming up here on RSN 927. The other side will go talking trots with the good form team. Ripper card tonight coming up at Tabcourt Park, Melton. More soon. We'll be uploading the best of today's Talking Greyhounds to rsn.net.au.